Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 6.30 champ. Let's do this, Oil Country. We're rolling into the Stanley Cup playoffs. Oilers and Sharks. Every game, every moment right here on 6.30. Ched will have the face-off show at 6 o'clock on Wednesday. The puck will drop at 8 o'clock. The Oilers winning 12 of their last 14 to get home ice advantage in the first round. A steal by Connor McDavid. 99 points. Looking to make it 100. Over the line. Dish us off. Back to score. There it is. That's 100 points for Connor McDavid. Number 97, Connor McDavid. The last time the city heard MVP chants of that caliber, Kelly Rudy was playing street hockey in the West End. I'm Reed Wilkins, and Kelly Rudy joins us now. Hey, man, how's it going? Oh, fantastic. I love it. Boy, did I ever play lots of street hockey and all that kind of stuff uh, when I was growing up. Fantastic memories. Uh, just having some fun with you. Obviously, you're a former San Jose Shark. The the uh, Oilers will play your team in round one. I want to set up the series with you. I do want to let people know we do have some breaking news here. Looks like both Dean Lombardi and Daryl Sutter have been fired by the LA Kings. Uh, Rob Blake becomes the GM. Luke Robitaille promoted to Kings president so we'll keep an eye on that as we move along with uh, inside sports tonight but Kelly Connor McDavid ends the regular season with 25 points over the course of a 14 game point streak which in this day and age uh, sounds almost absurd uh, I, I mean when you look at how he played over the final you know three four weeks of the season I, I, I don't know what did any comparisons pop into your mind or what did you think of that performance well he, he, he plays a, a different style than most of the other guys out there. I, I mean, I'm not telling Oilers fans anything they don't know that he's the rare blend of uh, that speed but can handle the puck with speed. He thinks the game incredibly well. He's really, really passionate. Uh, he wants to continue to get better. I think that the competition that uh, he and Crosby have really tries both of them, and I don't know if they've ever would ever admit to that, that there's some sort of competition. But that has always been the case in the game. I, I remember my time with uh, L.A. and 
just when Mario was uh, really, really getting to be great also, that really drove Wayne too. And so I see similarities in that competition, but he's just such a remarkable player. And that is, uh, I don't know if you watch our show on Saturday, Reed, you guys had your own game yep. going on, but uh, it was important for me. I said that uh, other people were suggesting that McDavid should be uh, rested for Sunday's game. And I was like, no, I think this is really important. First of all, I think he's too young to, to rest, unless, of course, he has a legit injury or is nicked up or banged up to a certain degree, and it's important for that. But other than that, he's, he, I think the milestone of getting 100 points was really important. I thought that, that you could just see the joy uh, on his face and with his teammates as well, recognizing that milestone, because it's not like anybody's ever going to get 200 points again. The game's completely different. The defensive schemes are better. The goalies are a million times better. So reaching that milestone, I think, is huge. And and that brings teams together. When one of your teammates accomplishes something really unique and you know it, it's really cool to share it. So I thought that was great. Uh, other storylines, you know, you look at how they came roaring into the playoffs uh, on a nine-game home winning streak. To me, that's really important because that was an issue earlier in the year. How would they do on home ice? And that I think they've rectified. Now, they're coming up a team against the team San Jose. <coughs> Excuse me, Reed. That I'm, I sometimes I'm, I'm kind of like, well, I don't know if I'm all that worried the way that they kind of limped into the playoffs. But other times, I think, boy, it's just so hard to turn it on and off. And I think their big lead they had in the Pacific was really – a problem because they clearly took their foot off the gas and then they lost a little bit of confidence there also and then you try and pick it up and it, it can be difficult although I did a game with them Reed I think about eight or nine nights ago and to me they look great I mean they they weren't playing as well as they normally can but I wasn't all that concerned that they couldn't get back to a really high level very quickly well, it's going to be a fun matchup. I enjoyed what you said there about uh, Gretzky, you know, feeling pushed from Lemieux and that that competition, even if they were rarely on the ice against each other. I mean, how how would you get that sense from Wayne? Was he? I'm going to check the uh, stats every day and see who's in front. Would you hear it when he was asked questions about Mario? Maybe or maybe he just came out and openly said it. I'm not going to let anybody pass me. But what was the actual evidence you got? Well, he wouldn't say anything, and uh, I suppose to this day, I don't know if he would ever admit to something like that, but we as teammates, we felt the energy. We felt uh, there was a little different emotional engagement. Not that Wayne wasn't, of course, always emotionally engaged, but there are different levels, and there was a an intensity and a focus that was just a little bit stepped up whenever we played Pittsburgh, and we as teammates felt it. And we felt also the need to play extremely well so that we didn't let our teammate and our friend down. That was how that resonated in our dressing room. I mean, we we were keenly aware of the importance of this game and the pride that he had in remaining as the best player in the game and vice versa for, for Mario. He wanted to have that tag as the best player and how do you do that? Well, you have to play against the best and be better than him. So I think those things are hard to describe. I hope I did a nice enough job of it. But when you sit in that dressing room, it, it's just it's there. You can just sense it. 
Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports. I mean, you you mentioned how you know when the when the Oilers have seen McDavid push, it can be inspirational. Rob Brown and I talk a lot about confidence and, and winning. And, and I, I made a reference yesterday, Kelly, to an interview I did with Buck Martinez, uh, uh, the Blue Jays broadcaster and former Blue Jay, in 2015 when the Blue Jays started to heat up. And remember, they went on that big run and got into the postseason. And, yeah. Buck, and Buck said that's one of the age-old things. What comes first, the confidence or the winning? Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, exactly. how, do, how, how do you look at that? Well, I, I think, well, gee, that's such a difficult question to uh, look at and, and try and make sense of because uh, I, I don't think I've ever been confident if I wasn't winning. I, I mean, you can go through a losing streak, a short one, and 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 remain confident. But if you're if you're getting if it chips away for any length of time, you lose that confidence for sure. And unless you're a complete phony. And and you're you you don't really care about winning and losing. So I think that is that's so difficult. And, and it, it really happens quickly too, especially when you're thinking like a playoff series. So you could be a team like the Oilers. We'll say they're roaring into the playoffs, right? And San Jose limping in. Things happen so quickly. You could fall behind two nothing in a series, and then thinking what just happened? Like we were playing great. Why aren't we now? And then, like I said, it chips away at your confidence. Next thing you know, you're down maybe 3-1 in a series, and you're fighting for your life, and it's less than a week has gone by, and you can't believe it. Mm -hmm. It's the weirdest thing also how it happens quickly. I remember many times sitting around the dressing room, whether it was a regular season game where we had it well under control and end up losing, and or in a playoff series thinking, oh, we've got this one. Next thing, you're knocked out, you're... you cannot believe what just happened, the turn of events. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports at 6.15. All right, Oilers, Sharks, Flames against the Ducks. Uh, you're around the Flames a lot. They have not won in San Jose, or pardon me, in Anaheim, since it feels like the beginning of time. 25 straight losses in Anaheim. Now, Cam Fowler is uh, banged up for Anaheim, obviously, as a result of a hit against the Flames. How do you how do you look at this series? I mean, I think the Flames are going to go in here as, as the underdog, Kelly. I think they would, but, you know, I've seen them enough to say that when they are playing really, really well, they can compete against anybody. Now, the, the key to that for me, uh, for the Flames, will be they have to play their way, though. They have to play fast. They have to defend fast. They have to do all those things that are qualities to them. And if if uh, if the uh, Ducks try and sort of muddy this game up, make it uh, rough and tumble, I do think that uh, Calgary loses their general focus. They want to get in those games, show that they're not going to back down, but that's not where their strength lies. They don't get pushed around. It's just that I don't think that that's their strength to play that way. Uh, when I see them, they're a very structured team. They play fast, and they create chances, and their power play can be really, really deadly. So that's how I see that. I mean, but you look at Anaheim and the qualities they have. Uh, I'm not sure if there's many defense uh, groups in the league that uh, are faster, and that's even with the Fowler out. I mean, talk about skating well and moving the puck. Um, and then you have uh, some of the best forwards around. I mean, Kessler's a great player. Getzlaff has been maybe one of the best guys in the league the last month and a half. 
one worrisome thing to me, I guess, to a certain degree, would be that Corey Perry's not played very well this year. I, I covered them twice in the last little bit, mm-hmm. and he's not skating nearly as well. He doesn't get to the front of the net as often unless it's a power play where it's not about speed. And So they have some things they have to work to, on, too, but this, is, this looks to me like it could be a really long series. All right, before I let you go, I'm going to read three text messages that have come in during the interview. Ron says, it just kills Kelly to say anything nice about the Oilers. He's not allowed to jump on the bandwagon. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm, I'm always surprised by that. Like, I, I don't really follow Twitter all that much, nor do I really care. And as you know, I only tweet about food and where I've had some right. wine and stuff. But how people think that about, I don't care who wins. I don't care. If, if you think I didn't uh, want to say anything nice about the Oilers, up until this year, they didn't deserve it for a while, right? You don't just start throwing out compliments and say, hey, they're amazing, and because I grew up there, I'm going to just rave about them. This year, as you know, virtually every show, I've raved about them for good reason. They've earned it, and they deserve it. And Len says, tell Kelly, I think he's the best and most sincere hockey analyst out there. Nothing phony. He knows his stuff. And Darren says, Kelly was a few years older than me on the West End. I can remember him as a street hockey goalie. He wasn't very good, but then he turned out to be pretty darn good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so both those, of course, I like, and I appreciate Len saying that. But, you know, I wasn't very good growing up. I mean, I didn't start playing uh, competitive hockey until I was 12 years old. I always got cut once, twice, three times a year until I found out where I was slotted. But for some reason, when I was about 15 or 16, that's when I started to get a little bit better. And all of a sudden, I was improving at a pretty rapid pace, and especially when I got to Medicine Hat Read, because our first year, I believe we only finished with 37 points, and I was getting peppered with shots. And and either I was going to sink or swim, and I found a way out of it, and I really improved. Kelly, it's great to have you on the show. I know we'll do this again next week. It's going to be a busy time broadcasting for both of us. We'll find time, okay, buddy? You got it. Let's let's enjoy it. It'll be a fun playoff this year. That is Kelly Rudy checking in from the NHL on Rogers and on Hockey Night in Canada, and he was a goaltender in the league with the Sharks, Kings, and Islanders. Always great to have him on the show. Man, this is getting fun, isn't it? Playoff broadcast right here on 6.30, Chet, on Wednesday night. We'll tell you about how uh, you can get some tickets to that game when we get back. It's Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. If you would like to be part of that frenzied crowd at Rogers Place for Game 1 against San Jose on Wednesday, go to 630Ched.com and you can enter uh, an auction for an Edmonton Oilers playoff loge table. It's all in support of the Edmonton Oilers Community Foundation, a loge table for four to cheer on the Oilers. The auction is already underway. It'll close at noon on Wednesday. So there's a way you can get tickets. They went on sale this morning. They were snapped up in less than five minutes. Now, I should let you know, you can go to the Oilers' website and, and look for the uh, the secondary ticket market as well, or you can enter this auction. So there are ways to get tickets, even though uh, the games themselves sold out 
incredibly quickly. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. Great to have Kelly Rudy on the show. Always happy to hear from you as well. 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. The Oilers have called Jujar Kara up from the Bakersfield Condors. Defenseman Oscar Clefbaum named the second star of the week. Great little run for him to close out the regular season. He had seven assists in the final four games. A note from the Edmonton Eskimos today. Receiver Nate Kuhorn has announced his retirement. And uh, as I was talking about there off the top of the show, the uh, breaking news this hour, the Los Angeles Kings have fired coach Daryl Sutter and general manager Dean Lombardi, who led the franchise to their only two Stanley Cup champions. Former Kings defenseman Rob Blake promoted to vice president and general manager Luke Robitaille will be the new team president in charge of hockey and business Operations. The Kings, of course, missing the playoffs for the second time in three years, their worst record since 2009. So Daryl Sutter, Dean Lombardi fired by the Los Angeles Kings. The Vancouver Canucks, fresh after losing their final eight games of the regular season, including the last uh, two, Saturday and Sunday, the Edmonton Oilers have fired head coach Willie Desjardins and his staff. That includes uh, Perry Pern, former Nate coach. So they are all gone out of uh, Vancouver. And the Florida Panthers naming Dale Talon, general manager of the team, back into that job. Tom Rowe removed both from the GM position and his role as interim coach. He's going to be reassigned. Panthers didn't turn it around after making those changes earlier in the season. Brendan Ulrich from Oilers Now is going to join me in studio. You'll also hear from Jamie Baker, television analyst for the San Jose Sharks. They did not finish the season well. I'll ask Jamie why. We'll also uh, have a pretty interesting segment later on in the show. I I'm guessing many of you have probably checked out the website hockeyfights.com. It's a great resource for pugilism. We'll talk to the man behind it. All ahead, Inside Sports on Chet. Hey, this is Jordan Eberle from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right. The uh, June 2nd Def Leppard concert, almost as big an event at Rogers Place as however many playoff games will be there over the next couple of months. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports. Brendan Ulrich, who is the producer of Oilers Now, the backup host for Oilers Now, the Edmonton Oilers post-game locker room interviewer, the Edmonton Eskimos sideline reporter and the tertiary host of Inside Sports. Joining me now, hello, Brendan. I didn't even know I had that many roles here, so thanks for reminding well, me. Well, I like to make it sound like you're incredibly busy. Even and was though that? Usually, What's that? You, you only do one of those things at a time, but still, <laughs> yeah, they're all things busy. you have to do. I was actually watching wrestling before this. I was getting ready for a playoff draft, so I'm just having fun, waiting to come on with you, and then you play Def Leppard, so that makes me even more excited. There's wrestling tonight? I thought it finished. <laughs> I thought they had their end-of-the-season thing last weekend. No, it's a it's a year-long cycle. They What's on Mondays? Going. Monday Night Raw. Oh, okay. They still have that, eh? Yeah. How's Hulk Hogan doing? <laughs> he might be coming back with WWE soon. He's got to be like 60 years old. Yeah. He's still a legend, though. 
Got a text here to 63630 from an unnamed texter. Oh, no, pardon me, it's James, who says, Brendan, Leafs in six. Oh. Just giving you the gears on your beloved caps. If Washington doesn't win in five, it'll be a disappointment. That is, that's the only series where people look at and say there's no debate. There's virtually, like, there's maybe some other series where you think, well, that team should win. But that nobody in their, nobody's picking the Leafs unless they're just doing it to be cheeky. Or they're a huge Leafs fan. Yeah, I haven't seen anyone pick the Leafs. I would be shocked if they won the series. I'd be shocked if they extended it to six games. Um, I mean, the Cap, like, they don't really have a lot of D, the Leafs. They like to play a run and gun. The Caps can score, but they can also shut you down. And Braden Holpe is rock solid. Matthew scares me the way he's going. Uh, he can score from anywhere on the ice. Nylander's been good, but they don't have enough. They're not ready yet, I would say, the Leafs. Southside Rob texting in. He says, uh, Hi, Reed. Exciting times for NHL hockey in Alberta again, but not for the NHL coaches from here. Sutter, Ruff, and Desjardins all let go. They were all great in their time, but time marches on, I suppose. Enjoy the Oilers' run. Who knows? Maybe 1990 all over again. That is from Southside Rob. Any of those coaching fi- coaching firings just surprise you at all? Uh, I suppose not, though I think a couple of guys are taking the fall for not having very mm. good lineups. Dallas maybe a little bit based on the fact that they won the West the year before, standings-wise anyways. I think if they figure out their goaltending, they would be a much better team. That would be well, the first just priority. Say, only one of those guys... Well, I mean, Miller still had an okay year for Vancouver, but he's not, he's on, he's not at what he once was. I, Vancouver just didn't have a good roster. Yeah. And then the they had a lot role? of guys injured. I mean, I, I don't think Desjardins a bad... I, here's the thing about Vancouver... At least when we saw them play the play the Oilers, they were an engaged team. You never got the sense that they were slacking off or that they're you know that there were unacceptable things being constantly permitted. And that tells you the coaching staff had them buying in. And with the Sedins, I was listening last night after, you know, on the post game show, they were saying they need to be better as players. They weren't really they took the blame themselves. So that was sort of refreshing to hear from a player standpoint. They weren't saying it was the coach's fault. So I don't know. It surprised me a little bit that Desjardins, I guess, was fired. The only thing that I can somewhat understand about Daryl Sutter, who I still think is a very good coach, mm-hmm. is sometimes think, things just change after a coach has been there several years. Yeah. I mean, Todd McClellan didn't forget how to coach because San Jose missed the playoffs his last of seven years there. He had just been there seven years. You know, and that's that's a pretty long time for a coach to be in one place. Yeah, I think you need to step away. A guy like Sutter, I think he needs to step away for a year. And uh, change up his style a bit. Look at Boucher in Ottawa this season. He goes there after stepping away, and all of a sudden the Sens get back to the playoffs. Uh, so I, you look at Ken Hitchcock as well. He had to change the way he coached, and he had another nice run with the Blues, and I'm sure he'll have to do the same before he takes his next coaching job. So I, I think that's what Sutter needs to do here. Jim says the Leafs are definitely out in four. Uh, well, here's a little tidbit. I didn't know this. Uh, all those guys played together for the 76-77 Lethbridge Broncos in the WHL. <laughs> wow. Rod says, okay, a couple of people are asking me about, uh, first of all, what time the doors open on Wednesday. I don't think it's any earlier than... Have you I'm going there right after Oilers now. I'm going in 2.30. Well, you have a media pass, though. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm fired right up. Uh, Rod says, will Rogers Place open the doors and show the away games on the big scoreboard? I have not heard anything along those lines. I believe Fort, Fort Hall will be open. I don't know for sure, but they, I think Fort Hall will be open. But I, but I haven't heard anything about yeah. the bowl being open. 
Yeah, I don't know about that. Maybe if they get to the cup final. Yeah, I mean, we'll know if the Oilers do announce it. But good, good questions, but no, no extra announcements like that yet. The Big L texting in, who says, Wednesday has been a long time coming, more so for some of us than others. Even the most ardent supporter of the team has had their belief truly tested over the past decade, but this season made it all worthwhile. This spring will be so much better than 2006 because this is a deeper team being built from solid ownership and a very sophisticated executive team. I wanted that 06 team to win so as to help a lot of us to quit living in the memories of those previous five cups, as wonderful as those championships were. But deep down, I feared that even had they beat Carolina, that roster was not going to stay together, and for several reasons, most significant being that the organization simply was not on solid ground. Regardless, today they are on very solid ground and in a new arena, and no matter how far they get this spring... They will be a perennial playoff team for years to come. The Big L closes off by saying, I believe the Oilers will get to the conference finals. Interesting comments, I guess, looking back about the uh, 06 team. Chris Pronger was not, was not going to be back. I, I mean, what, 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 what's the story when the request was first made? November, December? That he wasn't going to be back with the Oilers for the following... That, that's the interesting thing. That team could have won the Stanley Cup, and the, this, the decade of darkness still could have happened. Ex- almost like exactly the same way. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I mean, Pronger was unbelievable. And, uh, well, he even had injury problems later in his career, so even if he was still here, maybe the decade of darkness would happen. Maybe it wouldn't be a decade, but, I mean, he was forced to retire early in his career. You can text 630-630-780-496-0063. Brendan, the Oilers wound up with 47 wins. I mean, you and I have watched every game this year. What what did what did you find most surprising? Because no nobody predicted them at least out of you, me, Jack, and Bob. I think Bob had forty four wins. So was he the closest in the end? Yeah, I had forty one. Bob had forty four. I had thirty eight, and I was way yeah, under. And, I, and the thing is, for me, I got so sick of saying of of predicting modest improvements, and then that not even happening. So they went from twenty four to thirty one wins. So I thought I'm just going to go with another seven. Instead, they get sixteen wins better. What what to you was most important about the team this season? Now, we say that knowing that they have the guy who should win the Hart Trophy mm-hmm. and who won the scoring title but by 11. But what were some of the biggest factors for you? Yeah, I think as good as McDavid was, we all sort of expected that. I think everyone predicted him to be right in the MVP conversation if the Oilers were to get to the playoffs, so we sort of expected that. I think the team defense overall and just the way they were able to buy in to what uh, Todd McBellan was preaching as a head coach, that fast, hard support of hockey that he wanted to establish last year that the others weren't able to do because of some injuries to McDavid and Clefbaum. They didn't have the D, uh, the overall D to do that. And then this season, right from day one, they were able to establish that early and were able to... They had their up and ups and downs like every other team, mm-hmm. but every time they got in the, the crap, they got out of it, you know? Like, it didn't seem like they would be in it for very long, and that was because they were all buying into what Tom McBellan was preaching. Uh, you know, the Larson pickup really solidified the D, and it helped give the Oilers a top pairing. I like the Russell signing, despite what the analytics people say. It gave the Oilers a legit top four with Sekiro, who had a big, a big bounce-back season as well. So overall, I think just the way the Oilers were able to play much better defensively that is what really impressed me because I still figured that Drysdale will have a much bigger season. I figured that McDavid was going to score a bunch of goals and set up a bunch of goals, and that happened. But the way they were able to play defense really impressed me. 
Well, uh, somebody said that to me uh, at yesterday's uh, game. Somebody in from Vancouver said, man, the, the Oilers' D really did a job. Like, simple, get the puck out, effective, you know, nothing overly flashy, but just getting the do- job done. I mean, they had a couple guys almost, Secker and Clefbaum, at almost half a point per game. They don't have the, you know, Burns-type point producer. I mean, that's obviously an extreme case. But, you know, they, yeah. don't, they don't have, like, that... I am going to say this just to be cheeky, that Justin Schultz-style point producer. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, but again, that's more, that's, that's more evidence of how this team was built. Justin Schultz goes to a team where he's slotted in the right spot, and he looks great. He never was a, uh, afforded that, that luxury here. I, I, here. Here's what I find. I mean, McDavid is just such a, a, an incredible talent. And I heard Bob saying on Oilers Now today, you know, what is his ceiling? How many more gears does he have? Is he the type of guy in a playoff series where as much as it's a team sport, he is just going to refuse to let his team lose, where he will just drag a team along behind him regardless of what is happening. But I do think for the Oilers, the most encouraging thing is what, what kind of style does the other team want to play? The Oilers can at least do something about it. Mm-hmm. You want to open it up a little bit and play with some flash? Fine. The Oilers have a couple lines can do that. You want to drag the game into the back alley? Well, Milan Lucic is going to go there. Zach Cassian is going to go there. Adam Larson is going to go there. You know, Matt Hendricks is going to go there if he's he's in the lineup. They, you know, Patrick Maroon will go there. They have enough guys who will stand up to physical confrontation or initiate it, which is what I prefer than than having to retaliate to it. Well, yeah, they have—they're the total package right now in my mind, Reed. That's—that's what I'm where I'm going with this. Is you look at the Sharks in the in the Stanley Cup final last year, they struggled against speed. Well, the Oilers have speed, and you talked about how they can—they can grind it out as well. They can—they can hit you. They can—they can score a bunch of goals. They can score the pretty goal on the rush. They can really do it all right now based on what they have and everyone's buying in they have two legit lines right now heading to the playoffs the way that uh the Lucic, Nugent Hopkins every line picked up their game of late uh their D is good and they have a good goaltend a good goaltender so even if it gets to a run and gun game they feel confident that their D will bail them out and they'll move the puck quickly up to the forwards which will create more chances if it gets to a, a running game gun game as well and then Talbot we know what he can do um he, he's so solid in, in, in the pipes, and he doesn't scramble in the crease at all. So if it gets to a run-and-gun and, run and game, you know Talbot is going to be able to bail you out, even if they, it gets to odd man rushes, because he's always in the right position to make the right save. Well, Talbot's been huge. A couple of people just texted that in. Complete transformation for Oilers goaltending. Just uh, looking at a story here, a person with direct knowledge of Jack... I'm just reading this off the story that came down on our newswire. A person with direct knowledge of Jack Eichel's contract says the Sabres forward missed out on collecting a $2 million performance bonus by a decimal point. He would have got the bonus if he was in the top 10 in the NHL in points per game. Eichel had 57 points in 61 games, .934 points per game, 11th behind Leon Dreisaitl at .939 with 77 points in uh, 82 games. Dreisaitl got the two points last night to do Eichel in. Two million bucks. I don't feel bad for him. Why not? <laughs> That's just going to get a lot of money. He's a hell of a player. He'll be, yeah, he'll be fine. Uh, I know. I don't even want to bring up McDavid when we talk about other star players around the league. McDavid's on another level, but there are other guys in the league that are just exciting to watch. I love watching Jack Eichel play, especially on the power play. He he's one of the best power play quarterbacks in the league right now. He works that point like the Ovechkin in, in Washington, and he can he can hammer the puck. Maybe not as hard of a shot, but he has a he he can snipe it from there, and he's exciting to watch.
All right, you can text 630-630-780-496-0063. Reed Wilkins, Brendan Ulrich, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. Nugent, the Oilers, home ice. Starts Wednesday, 6 o'clock face-off show on 6.30. Ched, the puck will drop at 8. It is indeed an 8.30 start time for Game 2 on Friday. You better nap in the afternoon, Brendan. <laughs> well, I plan on going out to the bar after the games, too, to celebrate with all the fans. No, I'm just kidding. The weekends, anyway, this is going to be wild. I mean, I wasn't, when I was uh, the 06 Cup when I was 16, so I wasn't able to, to go out to any establishments, so I'm looking forward to that this year. Bruce texting in to 6th row. Glad you're looking forward to something. <laughs> well, I was looking forward to coming with you too, Reed. So. Bruce texting in. He says, uh, hey, Reed, what time will Len Rhodes be coming on the show to take calls from Eskimos fans? No plans for that tonight, Bruce. That was the big story on uh, Friday. I will say this uh, after speaking to some more people on the weekend. Um, that was... Uh, not a good relationship between Len Rhodes and Ed Hervey, obviously, since one wound up firing the other. I think that if you talk to uh, people closer to Ed Hervey, they would say that the uh, contract issue was the bigger of the two issues, where Len Rhodes, in speaking on Friday, obviously said that the uh, organizational philosophy and the access was the bigger of the two issues. Um I, th- I understand that Ed has uh, a lot of fans, and I, I consider myself one of them. I also know that Ed can be extremely obstinate and difficult. I think also think it's unfortunate where the only way to resolve this conflict between two grown men was for one to fire the other. And it's too bad they couldn't have worked together through this season and then maybe see where it went. Yeah, no, those are all fair points. Absolutely. It's unfortunate because Ed Hervey's a great football mind. But the CFL, I, I think at this stage, with where they are at, they need to do more. And the Eskimos, as a franchise, need to do more to promote the game in Edmonton and build the, the fan base back up. Because the younger generation doesn't really care about the CFL, in my mind. From my friends that I deal with, and the attendance has sort of dropped a little bit at times. Um, but they have a good team. So you think if they... If they win, they would be able to bring the fans well, out. Well, look, it's Hervey's team on the field. Yeah. And I want people to remember that I said that. Whether they're 5-1 and one or 1-5, one and five, a third of the way into the season. So the, 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 on the field, it's, it's Ed Hervey's team. Mm-hmm. So I'm prepared to criticize or praise him once I see how they play. Paul Jones is a placeholder GM. He'll hold that place for this season. Then I think they got to go and get somebody else. Yeah, and there are some big names out there that can help, but the team is going to be good, I think, as long as they don't let this be a distraction. I mean, the coaching staff is all back, which is huge. Uh, yeah, but th- this could this could mean Jason. There's you know Jason Moss might have to handle a few more things. Well, he did hand over the OC job, which I think will help him do other duties, and he talked about that before. Don, text 630-630. How excited is Jack Michaels to get to call some playoff hockey? 
Eberle starts with a rush down the right wing. A shot off the pads of Bachman. The rebound, Lucic. Fed Nugent Hopkins. Back door! And a hat trick for Jordan Eberle. The second of his NHL career. And Edmonton's pouring it on here at Rogers. It's 4-1. to one. I think Jack will have no trouble being excited. Just my thought. I can't wait to hear Jack call an overtime winner in the playoffs. This texture says, uh, what should we expect from Nugent Hopkins and Eberle? Do you think they will step up with Lucic on their line, or are they going to get buckled? That's from Donald. I think they have been stepping up. I mm-hmm. think they'll continue to play hard. Yeah, and they've changed the way they play as well. You, you've watched them become grittier players and try to work on their defensive games over the years and it seems like at the end of the season everything sort of started to to click for those two with Milan Lucic so you hope it carries into the playoffs and if it does then look out because I think if the Oilers you look at all these other teams that could play in the second round they might have the best second line if those guys are all going out of any team then we know what they have the best first line as well with McDavid so that would help. Braden says, hey, Reed, just a thought. Everyone I talk to who isn't an Oilers fan keeps saying it's all because of McDavid. Well, by my count, the three worst teams in the NHL last season are all making the playoffs this season. McDavid couldn't have made all three of those teams better. That is from Braden. You know, this is the thing, and I understand it because when I, when I look at teams in other markets, I, I don't have as in-depth knowledge of them. Of course, people in other cities are going to say that it's all about McDavid. And I say, fine, let them. Yeah. Let, let them. Every good team in the NHL is a star player. Without that star player, Crosby, without Kane, how would those teams look? So that's why I don't understand why people say that. Price without the Habs, I mean, it just the list goes on. Uh, Len says, can you mention on the air how the Oilers ended up with home ice advantage? Well, they won 12 of their last 14 and finished ahead of the Sharks in second place. So they get home ice. They have more points than San Jose, so they get home ice. Is that, is that what Len meant? I the guess. Sharks went 6-9 in their last 15. That's not that's not good. I'm going to ask J.B. Baker why that was when we get back. Brendan, thanks for sticking around. You got a hockey draft tonight? Pumped Who up. Who you taking first? Uh, I'll take Braden if, Holpe if the first. first if I had the first lower pick, I'd probably go Braden Holpe. Inside Sports on Chad. 6.30 Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.